0: What's up, everybody? This is Dan Tom with a little impromptu intro before we get to the show as advertised. Uh, normally, we don't do these flashback episodes, but I felt it was a bit apropos to this week with UFC Oklahoma City falling not till Sunday. My content falling on the usual Thursday from written breakdown to the breakdown on this year's show. So I figured, why not give you something earlier in the week to chew on? So I also, as you can see on Twitter, or if you go to MixedMartialAnalyst.com or the article section uh re-released my long-form piece on BJ Penn, uh, Faith and Fire. Um, put a lot of work into it. Very proud, yada yada. was originally released through mmalatestnews.com. Shout out to them. Uh, definitely go check that out. Would really appreciate that. Um, right now, it's pinned to the wall on my Twitter. At the MM Analyst is my address there if you're searching in that that part of town. Uh, but yeah, for the podcast version, I figure why not, why not rehash this episode? It was our second episode. It was recorded, um, January of this year. Uh, My man, Robin Black was in town as, as often as he's in town, He hits me up. We go for drinks and talk fights. And I figure, Hey Robin, why don't we, why don't we record it this time? Just started my podcast at the time. BJ Penn was fighting that weekend and said, Hey, why don't we do top five BJ Penn moments? We weren't too optimistic about his chances, though we appreciate him as a fan, But uh, so we figured why not pay homage to the man, right? And, and sure enough, he didn't do too well, so it was, I was glad we got to do that. I re-listened to the episode, actually, before we put it up, because I haven't listened to it since I edited the dang thing, and it was good. It holds up, you know? It, it, the information on both of us isn't really too out of date, though a lot of things do change, and... uh the conversation, though, doesn't. It was a really, really fun stroll back. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. But before we get to it, um, just a couple new additions. That's right, the, the new developments and things that I've been working on. Uh, the SoundCloud account is being upgraded and updated. Not quite fully updated with the library, but it is in the process. So you can go find us there for those people who have been asking. The Protect Your Nick podcast, once it's fully updated with the full library, I'll be including links where I can with that. Um Facebook and Instagram, we finally added them in case, again, in case case you treat Twitter like it's the bad part of town and you don't like to come through, which is cool, I understand that, believe me, or you just don't have Twitter, whatever the case is, Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and the good thing is it's the same address, it's all the same address, which, which makes it easy, at the PYN Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the PYN podcast. just helps me put the appropriate uh, content in appropriate places. Of course, it looks good, so the likes and shares surely help, and I assure you, for the likes and shares, you will not be getting spammed. That's right, no spam, won't be selling you shit. Um, in fact, uh, everything's going to be remain free for those asking. That's right, the podcast will be free. My breakdown's going to be remaining free. All the... Growing library of uh, of fighter profiles and breakdowns uh, that are on mixedmartialanalyst.com, all free. Yes, that's probably also why I'm a bad businessman, but that's, that's that's besides the point. I'm keeping those free. But if you do want to contribute, you can also contribute in a way that is, in many ways, free. Uh, we have click-throughs, as you know, from DraftKings to on it. If that is your poison of choice, you know how the click-throughs work. But a more important click-through that should be on very shortly because we just got approved. Uh, the Uncle Sam papers are done. We'll have the uh, Amazon click-through links up and running shortly. And I'll definitely be plugging those on the podca- this here podcast. Um, those are very helpful. And... Uh, Hell, I might be my own best customer when it comes to that. But the good thing is it doesn't list who buys what from the Amazon links as opposed to the other links. It just kind of gives the item. So I I can get creative in some ways. I can shout you all out for contributing. So get creative in that way. Or if you just want to contribute straight up, want to shout out straight up or don't want to shout out, just want to contribute anonymously or whatever. We, We have had a PayPal donation links for some time. I don't really like to plug them too much, but this is the appropriate time. We actually got a recent donation. By uh hopefully you don't mind me giving your name, sir. Benjamin Enshaw. Thank you, Benjamin. And uh not my dog, no, my dog isn't donate. I wish he could. I would be hitting him up every week. He owes me. But no, um, this was a different Benjamin. Appreciate, appreciate that, sir. Four dollars fifty-five cents goes a long way. And uh we'll be going to my hookers and blow fund oh, my girlfriend might be listening. My pencils and papers fund for more breakdowns. Thank you. Thank you. No, but seriously, um, it, Y'all, I'm I'm keeping all this all, all all this free. That that's definitely there. There have been people asking me about that. I I, I know I've talked about it on, on past episodes. I guess, but don't worry, everything's everything's free. Just these are the ways you can contribute. The best way you can contribute, though, is the old school way: sharing, word of mouth, telling friends, like you know, subscribing, you know, five star ratings. These are these are free ways that don't involve you spending money other places or giving money to me or any giving your money anywhere. Those are. And those are the best ways, to be honest. So thank you. Thank you for those of you that have already done so. have got some more recent five-star reviews. Maybe I'll read them at another show. I don't want to be that show that just reads out their own their own shit. want to get to the, the show as advertised here. I don't want to take up your time. But these are important things. I did need to get out there and let you know. So with no further ado, on to the motherfucking show. mm mm-hmm. The Protect Your Neck Podcast Top 5 BJ Penn Moments With special guest Robin Black We're going deep Hot
1: air hangs like a dead man From a white oak tree People sitting on porches Thinking how things used to be Dark night. It's a, dark night. Dark night. It's
0: a dark night. What is up everybody? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, martial arts analyst and writer for Flowcombat.com, MMA Latest News.com, and MixedMartialAnalyst.com, Analyst.com, which Host this here podcast, the Protect Your Neck podcast, a podcast that focuses on high level MMA. We break down pre and post fight UFC shows, but not today. Today we're doing our weekly top five segments because it's important to reflect. And what what better person to reflect upon uh, than my man here? Uh, I got a special guest. If you don't know him, well, you really should. And why are you listening to this podcast? Okay, this is Robin Black right here. Say what's up, Robin. Yeah,
1: what's up? It uh, we are in Las Vegas. At uh, my room at the Excalibur Hotel On vacation, but I wanted to hang out with you And chat fighting, if we're going to do it Let's involve others, you people You're uh, welcome to hang out with us And we'll, we'll chat, We you can't talk back But feel free to just yell at your computer If you've got, got a thought
0: Yeah, actually, uh, I posted it earlier And we already have people um, you know, re- Reaching out to us, which is nice We'll read it at the end of the show uh, you, you can contribute to the show using the hashtag the Protect Yen Neck Podcast. That's Y A Protect Yen Neck Podcast because we spell things wrong, right? That's how we do it. And uh, today we're doing the top five BJ Penn moments because yeah. I, I I I think it's uh, I think it's perfect. We have a week off. Uh, he is headlined in the next card, but more than that, there's been this this narrative that's kind of taken over uh, with BJ Penn and just kind of you know that fan conjecture that we tend to get. your only good is your last fight, your last performance. And you know, I felt this was a good, just like the reason why we have this top five. You, you have to kind of reflect and balance out. I, I hate critiquing guys that are doing amazing things that I, I have not done, but to kind of balance out in this fast-moving sport that that, that changes by the week. It's not, it's not like it used to mm-hmm. be. We have to make the time to reflect and appreciate why we even have you know something to watch as a fan, have something to work on mm-hmm. as a job, and so on and so forth. So we're going to break down the top five BJ Penn moments and. Yeah, like Robin said, we, we, we like to get together and talk uh and uh we figured, you know, why not record it because, you know, it's it's a loose conversation format here, but but speaking of loose conversation format, before we jump into the top 5, I got to ask you Robin I, How's it been starting your new podcast? Because it feels like I'm having conversations with you like yeah. we normally do, except I'm not.
1: That's exactly what I would hope. And that's a big compliment. And I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, my, It's called hashtag Black, And essentially, I wanted to be as straight and honest and unfiltered as possible. And, there, and it's oddly therapeutic that I get to kind of... It forces me to try to resolve open-ended, non-linear thoughts that I have. By the time you go and do a breakdown, you've sort of come to a conclusion or you've pointed to a, uh, to something or you've narrowed down a thin slice something. But in the process of doing that, you have all these open-ended thoughts that you're trying to put together. And I thought, and I, it's a fun, it's a fun process to figure some of these things out and get to the nucleus of what's going on in a fight. And I thought the podcast could allow me to figure them out with people. You know, people can watch and go, oh, that's weird. I know that nonlinear thinking is kind of, it's odd, but it works. You can end up where you want to end up. And people are always like, how do you do these breakdowns? How did you do this? And I thought, well, people might like to hang out and do it with me. And it's been really fun. I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's been, like I said, it's like I get my own therapy um, and everybody's kind of my, they're my therapist.
0: Well I mean everybody you know anybody who knows you knows your work and your breakdowns are are not just not just good, not just great they're one of a kind they're really pieces of art uh, but at, you know knowing you and as people would imagine you know hearing you speak there's probably a lot more that you know hits the cutting room floor that goes into these pieces that you can't really pontificate on and you're somebody that not just you know technique and you, know, you can 't you know not just telling us oh this is jab, and this is why but mm-hmm. You were really, which I, which is you know, my favorite aspect, really into these theories and going into these mm-hmm. deeper levels. And I think this podcast is kind of a great, or actually, your podcast uh, is a really great you know platform for you to really dive into those, those and unpack those subjects. Yeah,
1: thanks, man. That's what I like to do. I mean, somewhere along the line, it, you're, what we're hoping to do when you study anything is keep going further, further, further. Where can it go? What does it mean? Oh, what did we used to think something meant? And to do that, you can't stop at different points along the path. And for a little while... Uh, You know, I thought a breakdown was a technical breakdown or a technique breakdown, but it isn't. We're breaking down how you think and why you do certain things and what's the emotional uh, feeling, what's going on in the body and sort of general almost technology and all of these other things. And, And I think that's where fighting goes. I think that's what it really is. When people describe baseball now or anything, when they describe wine, when they describe anything, they're describing something in infinitely more complex ways than they did 25 years ago because they know more. And they look back and you listen to somebody commentate a baseball game in the 1930s and he hit the ball. It went flying. He's running around the first base. That's it. Now there's all types of, of layers of of how they train and what it means and what their eye is doing and statistics and all of these things. And that's where fighting is going to be. And I want to be a part of getting it there. And and that, it's fun, man. And I'm glad we got to hang out. You know, I'm only here for, for four days. My wife's over there reading a book. What's when, up? <laughs> what's up? Um, And uh, I popped in to visit my parents. And we're going to go out and see Ka. Um, uh, uh, Scott Zur who used to be the head publicist for the um for the MFC and he works here for uh, for Lion Fights and some other he runs he's the publicist for Ka so he got us some tickets so we're going so it's gonna be great and it's really good to see you brother
0: oh it's great to see you too Ka's a great show by the way I had a buddy that used to work at uh, tech on that show mm-hmm. but that's one of the be- uh, benefits of going to Vegas you got you to yep. see a show while you're in town but uh And speaking of shows, and speaking of big shows, you know, it's great. We're going to dive here into the the top five BJ Penn moments. And not only with the narrative that I was kind of speaking on, um, you know, when you think about big shows, big money, right? Big money fights, Mm -hmm. big, big multi divisional. This is something that's been a theme now, not just from Conor McGregor, but now everybody imitating Conor. And I think we've quickly forgotten. I know it's part of Conor's... Connor Stick saying, you know, he is the first one to do a lot of things technically, but to ever attempt it, yeah. he was not correct yeah. there, and no. that's where that's why I yeah. stopped. I said, hold yeah. the phone, Connor. I like yeah, what you're doing. Yeah. I give you all the credit, yeah. but give credit where credit's hmm. due because, um, you know, the parallels. Which i remember, by the way, I'm writing a long form that's coming out later in MMA cool. latest news about BJ Penn's career. Kind of awesome. You know, looking at the parallels, you know, you look at you know Mac, you know, talking about Mac life and boxing mm. and you know, leaving leaving with a title, claiming you have a title that was stripped. I mean, there yeah. was a guy that was coming in with World Champ with a title that was leaving, that was starting his own websites, yeah. that was uh, hounding Oscar De La Hoya, hounding the UFC. I mean, it, and it's these wow. interesting parallels when yeah. you really stop and look
1: Yeah, man, At it, right. And that's, that's,
0: what, that's what made me a fan of Conor in the first place, by the way. I'm not saying that yeah. in a disparaging, yeah. in, a, in a scale or in, a, in an unfair comparison to either guy. I'm saying it is a beautiful kind of irony, you know? As, For-
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really you make some really good points. I bet Connor would probably acknowledge that, knowing him. I only know him a little bit personally, but I have a feeling he might, Um, because, you know, things get built on things. You know, the new kids on the block would later morph into, you know, uh, uh, what's that other – the the, who are those other boy bands NSYNC and, and, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and the Backstreet he, Boys yeah, but go. it was the same thing had there been no new kids on the block those bands could whatever you call them bands singers or whatever they are could never have become that big without that happening Think things are cyclical the more you realize that and the more you see that the more you can see the future a little bit because you start to see the same patterns materialize in a way that you can now anticipate them happening again but they're always back there history should be studied for that reason I'm glad we're talking about BJ Penn for that reason um uh, as When a culture and a society Is very, very successful It often forgets its history Quickly They said in one generation People in Rome When the Roman Empire happened They didn't You'd say, hey, who built these roads? They'd be like, I don't know They've always been here And you ask some people in North America Where we live Canada and the United States And you say, hey, do you know how How Toronto was settled? Uh, what? You know, like yeah. people don't know their history, and and we love fighting, and the people listening to this, you're, you're listening to this because you love fighting. You, you, you didn't stumble onto this; you went looking for a podcast about fighting. You need to know this history; it will it will explain your future. It will inform you of what you can see and these guys deserve to be celebrated we're going to celebrate BJ Penn today um, and I'm sure such is the the case that we're going to do it in a non-linear way I literally have four or five or six BJ Penn ideas, some of them are going to be the same as yours and some of them are going to be different I hope that your structure doesn't get stressed if we just fire out bj things and meander but i love the idea of a top five it organizes thoughts in a way that you can discuss
0: something in a really easy way absolutely and don't worry about meandering or going non-linear because let's look at the man's career what was linear <laughs> yeah, about okay. the man's career right uh so uh, you know we could we could talk all day and we we may very well mm-hmm. will so let's just jump right jump yep. right into the top five now i um, I'm gonna kind of kick this off. This is kind of a, a format that uh, I, I pay homage to, called the Film Vault. Shout out, shout out to them. Uh, they do top fives with film, and, and mm-hmm. they can come up with all these different, you know, categories like top five bad cops, top five. Well, Why don't we do with MMA? That's great. So starting off, we're gonna go from five to one. Um, and we'll have honorable mentions, so if we leave out anything, uh, and we'll kind of be all over the place. We're not just picking fights here. We're, we're, we're yeah. unpacking moments. Yeah. So my number five. Um, this one is more on the technical side. Yeah. But uh, half guard. Not just half guard. Yeah. Half guard UFC 101, mm-hmm. Kenny Florian. And it awesome. was a pathway that BJ has done many times before if you watch his Jiu Jitsu. Uh, it was a pathway that he's used earlier in his MMA career, and it's a pathway that Damian Maya has now made yeah. famous. You know, a lot of guys, you know, will, will kind of add the, the, the head and arm with the shoulder pressure. They'll yeah. push the knee down into a mount, mm-hmm. and then it's, it's you know, you're, you're going from mount to back mount, back mount to back mount. But as much as we could go through the checklist and check off yep. all the boxes that BJ checks off in his bout with Kenny Florian, it was what we, we were talking about those other levels. I remember watching that and I'm, I felt like I was watching the nature channel. Yeah. That was one of the few times I felt like I was watching a snake devour its prey from the elbows on half yeah. guard use. And you just saw the immediate inflammation. You could almost see the emotion of Kenny home, a huge, huge fan of, uh, na- you know, yeah, now then by the way, yeah. and he's no slouch there. So that made yeah. it even more impressive. Mm-hmm. And you know, all the way to the, you know, the, the, uh, the choke itself, the way he just snatches it up and it, Again, it's not anything fancy. It's not yeah. anything flashy. But the way in which you does it, you're watching an animal devour its prey. That, that's my number five. I want to hear your thoughts on that, yeah. though. Well,
1: mine are going to be probably... There's going to be some similar ones to you. Yeah. So as we stumble onto them, we'll, we'll connect them. That wasn't on mine, but I love it. I would love uh, on that half-card game. You see a lot of guys play it now. You referenced Amy and Maya. When I'm on... So I'm on your left leg. Yep. And I'm going to try to reach behind to your right shoulder. And that hard reach, that hard reach to that right shoulder is such a threat, it's such a huge threat that isn't there in most people's half guard games. And that little threat, I think, is a part of it. Um, Kenny is a genius, he's brilliant. Um, He's a a really, really nice human being and very good at his job. Um, When he was fighting, what I always liked, and you know what I'm gonna talk about when we talk about BJ, is a couple of the people he fought, and how much he made them better. But also them themselves. Like these great fights happen because you bring together these two people. And there are two ideas. So Kenny Florian became better by losing. He was one of those guys who, so losing to B.J. Penn made him better. Losing to Jose Aldo made him better. That it made him smarter. It made him so. And to take, like you said, a guy of his level and be able to beat him up using sort of the simplicity of a half guard with a few extra things is really beautiful. But I love that threat to go all the way back and reach for your shoulder. That's how a lot of these guys are accessing the back, or they'll do it off a takedown. And in that moment where you are trying to respond to the half guard, so you don't want me to settle. You don't want me to settle and crush your left hip and right shoulder or whatever I'm going to do to to control you. In that moment of you fighting the, the settling into that position, they reach for that shoulder. It's so fucking beautiful. And BJ was on the front end of that for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By the way, BJJ Scout does an awesome video on uh, the leg weave passes and dope mounts that also BJ would use. We're talking about things kind of similar. You see that Damien, Ma- you know, Damien Maya is made famous by just you know running through guys with now. Yeah.
1: Do you have any idea who BJJ uh, BJJ Scout is? I don't know if anybody no, knows who I that is. Yeah, no, no, I don't know. could be a woman. It could be a guy. It could be old. It could be young. We don't know. Great work.
0: Great work. Huh? Great work. Yeah, yeah. For I, a long time. I wish time. I knew, but I just yeah. I just shout out BJJ Scout. Yeah. Just a shout out. Somebody, I, I think it's, it's cool to work. not.
1: You know, there's something. There's a beauty. In being, um, and I know you've done both things. You've been uh, not known. You've been just your work was your work, and then people know you. And I know the advantage to that is if one day you want to commentate fights or whatever, you ne- we need to know who you are. Yeah, you know what I mean. So absolutely, and where but the beauty of not, and what I'm sure you'll agree, I admire it as somebody who you know. I go out and I get some payoff from doing my job. So I might get paid or I might get hired or if there's some value to getting Twitter followers. BJJ Scouts work is for the purpose of the work and there's no other reason. Do you know what I mean? Someone somewhere is sitting in their house or their apartment or wherever all alone studying fighting in a way that they're going to show this beautiful thing and all they get for it is the pleasure of doing the work. There's fucking, that's something really beautiful. You know, So whoever BJJ Scout is, a big shout-out to them.
0: Yeah, definitely big shout-out. Uh, so, Robin, you're up to bat, my man. Okay, Number uh, five.
1: So I'm glancing at a few things I was thinking about coming in. I was going to make a, a list of five, and I thought, let's just sort of free-ball it a little bit and, and see. So there's a few things. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of BJ, uh, uh, BJ Penn things. But one that comes to mind, and I used it in a breakdown, is against uh, Diego Sanchez, Backed up against the cage. Now, at this point in BJ's life, he had fought George St. Pierre, who used, and then they talked about publicly, the defending of the takedown, sort of getting BJ to defend the takedown, but not fully take him down, as a way to get him tired, you know? So he'd experienced... The 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 sort of the world of the takedown itself changing, where at one point, these guys thought of it in a binary terms. I either take you down or I don't. If I failed, I failed on the takedown. You successfully defended it, or oh, I got the takedown. And people still talk about it that way. The audience still consumes it that way. And it's not audience listening to this. They're going to be a lot smarter than, than the, the average audience who watches two, a Ronda fight and a Conor fight every year. But... But people will say, oh, he didn't get the takedown. Well, wrestling itself, there are thousands of reasons to use it. And taking somebody down in fighting is one of those thousands. There's a million other, and like I said, BJ had had his his arms exhausted through wrestling by George. And he was, Diego came in early and said, I'm going to take BJ down. And I want to be on top of BJ Penn. Which in previous BJs would have said, I'm going to work guard and I'm going to submit you. But instead, B.J. Pushed, allowed him to push him back against the fence and then kept him from, from completing any kind of double leg but kept him locked in the mechanism of trying while he elbowed him in the side of the head. So again, And I made the reference when I was talking about, about Big Ben Rothwell choking out the uh, Warmaster that the Warmaster's head was, was high to get choked out because he couldn't keep it low because when he went low, Travis Brown knocked him unconscious. Travis Brown knocked him unconscious because B.J. Penn developed this spot. B.J. Penn, you can see it when you watch. If you watch my breakdown of Ben Rothwell, you'll see a little reference to it. But if you watch that fight, you can literally watch the moments in the fight as B.J. Penn works out how to elbow somebody in the best way possible with his back to the fence while while stopping them from getting, fully getting to his hips. And to watch him learn in that fight is so incredible this is a man fighting to defend his title against a savage beast in front of a million people or whatever's watching you include bars sometimes they will say oh, 400,000 pay-per-views if you include bars it's millions of people and in that in that trauma he was able to to learn and uncover new truths in real time in there it's amazing it really is amazing you watch it now and from the first time he stops it till the end of the fight you watch him slowly make adjustments to make those elbows and punches while defending that double with his back against the cage better and better and better and it's really really cool watch it now go after you listen to this podcast i'm sorry listen to this and then <laughs> go to fight pass and watch it and watch it watching bj learn and innovate in real time in combat it's fascinating
0: yeah, I saw that breakdown. I really like how you incorporated that, by the way. And it got me thinking because, you know, um, you know, you talk about the deeper levels and how guys come along and do things better. And I talk about, you know, these kind of parallels of the career um, with BJ Penn and, and yeah. Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. But I remember watching you, you that section interweaved in your breakdown for the Ben Rothwell, because uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. Of course, after my work's done, because yeah. as you work in this, as you know, you kind of the filter gets a bit sensitive. So mm-hmm. even even people you love and this and that, you got to kind of measure, so I don't get to watch as much stuff as I do, yeah. but I'm grateful that I got to me. watch that piece, that was really nice, and it made me think, you know, building upon things, we saw those elbows against the fence, we saw him figuring it out, but then we would see Connor do it in Cage Warriors, we would yeah. see Travis Brown kind That's of do true. his own variation later, yeah. Yeah. against uh, Barnett, who yeah. was kind of mentioned with that Rothwell uh, bit, but it, yeah, it's crazy.
1: It is, and it's really neat, Yeah, and it's, it shouldn't be any surprise to us, when you watch an Olympic Gymnast, do something. Somebody else did each of those things. And people went, wow, that's amazing. He did a full, you know, years back. Wow, he, he, he did a backflip. Yeah. And then later somebody's like, wow, he did a laid out backflip. Holy shit, he did a double backflip. And they see it. The human mind says, if that person can do it, I can teach my athlete to do it. Or the athlete, I can learn it. And we learn it. And that's, it's, it's uh, monkey see, monkey do. Literally, we yeah. are still like primates developing. I use the reference of the monkey with the stick down the anthole. You watch them do that long enough, you can do it. And the difference and why it's so amazing to watch these guys is we cannot do that. So we can't go, most humans, because we're busy living our lives, we can't go and fly and jump off a cage. But we watch them learn to do it from learning from each other. It's really, really cool. It really is.
0: Awesome. Well, let's move on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number four. Number four. Now, this one I go... Completely to the other side. Uh, uh, the first one is a little more, a little more graspy. You know, you could, just yep. more technique. A little more yep. something we can grab, like this table yep. here. But this one hits a special spot: uh, the appetite spot, the Hawaiian spot, the cultural yep. spot. BJ Penn's relationship with food. Okay, mm. and the moment I'm, I'm mm-hmm. pointing to this one was on I think BJPenn.com, but you can find it on YouTube still. And it was before the Joe Stevenson fight. Mm. Uh, he was, you know, in probably the, the most six-packs we've ever, we've ever seen yep. him in, you know. Even arguably it looked better than his 145 appearance as far as, you know, physique-wise. Yeah. And uh, he was ahead of weight. I think he weighed like 153 or something. He was underweight three weeks out. And I mean, he would do these blogs on bjpen.com, which, is you know, kind of, we, we, yeah. we, we joke right now, to blending of jokes, but that... What he was able to succeed, and even if people were only going for him, that, that, was, a, that was a task yeah. in itself. Amazing. But, it, and those were the best part of going to the website, of course. And I remember seeing this. He was looking at the scale going, well, there's something I got to do about this. Mm-hmm. But his nutritionist was actually living in the house with him, and he actually sneaks out his mm-hmm. bathroom window, gets in a truck. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. And he goes down to this, this, this stand, and he orders this big thing of a... Uh, plate lunch and us Hawaiians okay yeah. we would grow up on white rice meat and like mac salad which is mayonnaise and and, and you know uh, uh noodles I mean yeah. fat carbs and meat yeah. I mean that's not a great Salt. diet yeah yeah and he had a plate lunch that even had the owner uh, the uh red, red the old lady you know check, checking her out going aren't you in a fight camp yeah, like even yeah. even you pick it up on the camera not only that then he picks up his breakfast sandwich with his Hawaiian sweetbread Soaked in syrup, eggs, um, sausage, bacon, Portuguese sausage, spam. It's like a, it's like a four wow. meat trio. And he says, "Well, you have to have something to eat on the way yeah. home as an appetizer yeah. before yeah. you d- 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 dive in." and Unreal. And we laugh about it, and it was great. And he ended up looking in good shape. Yeah. He ended up making history, yeah. but the irony there—that was yeah. kind of his heel, right? That was kind of the For irony. Sure? These were these glimpses we had.
1: Yeah, and it's cool that he give him give us those glimpses. Now people document everything. Yes. And there's something that you and I are currently doing right this minute. Are we creating? Yeah, we're creating something, but mostly we're documenting. Right. And that's what uh, everyone is doing everywhere. Instagram is that and Facebook is that. Everyone's doing that. But back then, people didn't go and show you <laughs> what they were eating when you knew damn well they shouldn't be eating it. Yeah, absolutely. He's an interesting guy. And the truth is, calories in, calories out. You know, if, if on some level, and we all do it to some degree. Ramdeen and I were doing it at Christmas. It's like, if I do this amount of exercising before Christmas, I'm going to eat whatever I want. You know what I mean, and if if you can get that weight off, did it make him a better athlete? No. Nope. Although there's an argument that if it psychologically helped him, if it gave him some level of happiness, who knows? But very, very interesting, very interesting.
0: Well, let me finish that. Let me yeah. finish that thought that you say that too. What I, I guess this, the spirit that why I appreciate is because I think you know there's that that argument as yeah. an athlete, but I think yeah. as a fan side, I think that's what made B.J. Yeah. Penn endearing. Um, you know, not just the multi-divisional weight yeah. stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk more about here. Yeah. But it was the fact that he was never a ripped guy. He was—he kind of represented the everyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was a little different. I mean, yeah, I'm a 5'9 Hawaiian and who loves sports, from basketball to all these other things. Yeah. We don't have from Asian, Pacific Islander, much less Hawaiian... Mm-hmm. We don't have much people to look at from media to actors. There's not a lot of wrong. we're, we're very skim, especially in this part of the world, uh, United States. And we're not going to look up to Doug the Bounty Hunter. I don't think exactly. That's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's that's a that's, that's a tough one. That's yeah. a tough pull. But he was uh, but he was more than that. It extended. You know, you saw yeah. when he went to other places, everyone was offended. It didn't matter if you were Hawaiian or not. And I think that's because he represented kind of the everyman, you know. Um, and and you know, it, even though the appetite and we would get on him and criticize, and it, it may have costed him, you know, the the discipline of, you know, you can make these arguments right in hindsight. Yeah. But uh, I think that I think that's what I mean by the food thing. I think it really yeah. made him endearing He's as an everyman. It captured He's, that. Oh man. Yeah.
1: He's a person, and. They all are, but they we don't all connect with them necessarily in ways. Um, I uh, I'm going to use something else from the Diego Sanchez uh, fight later. I just realized I should have grouped this in. It's something <laughs> else I think is so cool, um, and and a lot of that era I think is I'm going to talk about. It. I mean, you look. I just got some of his fights sitting up open in front of me, and it's like fuck. We could do a top twenty easy. Easy. So easy. so I'm not even looking at mine as a top five. It's just five things I think are fascinating and beautiful. But I'm going to give you a a number four, because you mentioned Joe Stevenson. And I'm going to mention that fight. I'm going to tell you why. And it's going to connect back to what I said about Kenny Florian. Um, So, of course, he butchered Joe Stevenson, right? Right. And it was masterful, and it was dominant, and it was beautiful. And so we could look at any aspects of that fight. But what I want to talk about is I met Joe Stevenson when I did my very first commentary gig ever. It was XMMA, which is probably a MMA name that is in 30 different states, countries, what, ex-MMA, but it was in Montreal. And David Loazzo was fighting um, Solomon Hutcherson, and uh, it was wonderful. It was me, Ram Dean, and it was both our first ones, and Chris Hordesky, actually, who was like 21 years old and was one of my coaches at the time, and we did it, so it was wonderful. But So Joe Stevenson was there cornering someone. Maybe Aaron Riley Does that sound possible Did he work with Aaron Riley Might have been Uh, He was cornering somebody And Or was it Hutchison I can't remember But we went out with Joe A fair bit And we You know There was some Greenage And there was some Beerage And there was hanging out And we were doing our jobs Focused on our jobs But he wasn't didn 't have a fight coming, and he we went to a comedy thing with Joe, and it was really fun and but early on, Ram Dean, uh said to him what 's your favorite fight ever and he all, I swear to you was essentially tearing up, telling us how amazing it was to have that fight with b j penn and um, that was and literally t- emotional um, and uh, he got really beat up, but he was he was so thankful for that fight. It was so special to him, like it it at that time, the way he was describing it, it was like that it was all his whole career had led to that. It was the greatest moment of his life, all of that, and he got the shit kicked out of him. You know what I mean? He got shit kicked, but it was so special to him to to have that moment and to get that fight and that b j having that effect on him to me was something amazing, and I remember thinking it as he was saying it, it was so deep like it was you know you i and many of the people that were listening here have a passion like a connection like Mm. a to fighting to like it has deep meaning and to see that in joe that fighting had that martial arts in general but that moment of his life was this great moment and for bj to be able to just by him by beating this guy up have that effect on him that to me was pretty incredible
0: that's a fantastic one, I and mean, when you're when you're saying this, I'm picturing that fight because you can almost see that passion, that emotional connection mm. of Joe, Joe. That fight, yeah. you know, from what it sounds like to you, from what it sounds like from from him, right? Yeah. That he almost, you know, that that didn't get beat out of him. He he encapsulated that in yeah. a little lantern and kept it somewhere yeah. sacred inside of him.
1: That's exactly right. He he was living it when he was telling us that, and it must have been. I'm looking here. If I, we take a look, that was 2008. And uh, this commentary gig was probably 2009 or 10, so it was a couple of years later. Maybe, I don't know when my first commentary gig is, for sure six or seven years ago. Uh, But uh, uh, it was years later. And it was just as real to him. It was just, and to to have, most of us will not, will go most of our lives and never, maybe the birth of your child or maybe the, your wedding day or something, but very few of us will ever have the emotional connection to a moment of your life like I saw in Joe Joe Daddy's wow. fucking eyes and heard in his voice. That was fucking
0: cool. That's That's beautiful. Well, before we, uh, before we take a break, we're going to knock out our number three because you said UFC 107. It sounded like something sparked in your head. Yeah. And my number th- three is UFC 107 related, so maybe we can double dive in here yeah. and unpack. So let, 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 yeah. let, let, let's get this number three before we jump to break. And uh, I'll start off, I guess, there. Uh, my number three um, is round five, the start of round five in the yep. BJ Penn versus Diego okay. Sanchez UFC 107. Okay.
1: Yep, my three is going to come be attached to this three for sure.
0: Nice. I mean, yeah. it was the rarest animal yeah. of the BJ Penn yeah. Forest, right? It was, yeah. it was the fifth round. Yeah. Uh, we seen him strong going into the end of a third yeah. with a shirk. We saw a slow yeah. build with Florian into the fourth. This was the fifth round. This was the most determined guy. Now, say what you about Diego Sanchez. This was well, – kind of, I'll kind of dovetail on this point at the end. But up until this point of Diego's yeah. career, he only lost, I believe, two fights. Yeah. One, he had like a staph infection. there, both yeah. to the AKA guys, Fitch yeah. and Koscheck. Yeah. Um, he was an overachiever, yeah. definitely, Diego was. You yeah. know, whatever you could say about his progressions, he was an overachiever when it came to Big fight time. night. And – you saw after the you know this is and I hate to say one-sided you know uh, beat down because that's very disrespectful to Diego who I respect greatly. Of course, um, but if you were to put like one-sided match, maybe let's just say that yeah. or something, this would be this would be up there. But and you saw that fifth round come, and BJ's just just waving yeah. his hands and like this yeah. animal, and you just you just really just I could pontificate for days, but it really just encapsulates the essence mm-hmm. of that animal, mm-hmm. you know. And you saw Diego kind of just take that deep breath like Apollo when when Rocky yeah. gets up in the first yeah. Rocky and he goes. Yeah. When you know mix yeah. telling him to stay down, but yeah. Rocky gets up yeah. anyways and you yeah. kinda saw Diego take that deep, like what am I have to do? Yeah. And that, yeah. that, that that's kinda my moment. But but I go ahead it. and dovetail in the house, go to yours. Yeah,
1: so mine is round five also. Okay. So and uh it's interesting that we're like we like this era of, of BJ. We're gonna go to uh, before and after yes, but there is something yeah. special. This is when he's hitting it. So round five is not just what he does, um but how he did it. So I have his book The Big Book of Knowledge Do you have it? BJ Penn Big Book of Knowledge It's very good And I don't know when it came out I'm going to guess 2012 What is this? So maybe before this fight So No Maybe like 2007 or 8
0: I was going to say Yeah That sounds about right Yeah
1: so in this book, it basically... It's on some level partly responsible for at least certain amounts of fighters going and having a curriculum-based style of training. When you're against a cage, we always have this underhook. We put the hand inside. We fight to the bicep. We'd, et cetera, et cetera. Because BJ spelled it out. This is how you fight. And the book is fantastic. Now, of course, in 2017, many of these are not truths anymore. They were truths l- with the limited information we have, but the world changes. But so in this book... He tells you many times in the section on boxing that you never kick in fighting. Kicking, mixed martial arts, you do not throw head kicks. You don't. It's not, and here's all these reasons why. You you use your hands for these reasons, but you never kick particularly to the head for any of these reasons. Head kicks are not for fighting. Then he lived his life, never threw a head kick. He had ne- This was one long fucking game of poker, and he was bluffing the shit out of us for years, head kicks do not. I'm BJ Penn. I will never throw a head kick. I recommend nobody throw a head kick. In round five, he fucking kicks this guy right in the head. You know what I mean? Like right in the head, splits him wide open. And it was like you said, the rarest animal of BJ Penn going into round five. Just, it, like that thing, that was a black swan. You know, in Australia, like in a world <laughs> that all there were were white swans. No, nope, BJ Penn was lying. You do throw head kicks, cut him wide open. It was what led to the finish. But that was a fucking career long misdirection play right down to writing it in your book I don't see if you knew anything about BJ one thing you don't have to worry about is getting kicked in the head because he doesn't believe in it yeah. dude kicked Diego Sanchez right in the head split it wide open that's pretty awesome
0: and I think the dovetail I know, that's that's fantastic I love that black swan reference that's absolutely true that that, that yeah. round five BJ right there and it dovetails nicely because that right there I think you know Rogan has this quote I'm not even going to try to repeat it but he says it says it well but that is arguably the one of the best fighters this planet has ever seen yeah that right that, there. That, not just a sport, yeah. not the history of yeah. sport, but I think yeah. you know, and you yeah. hear you guys like from Joe Rogan to And to Anderson yeah. Silva. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. That those are the reasons why yeah. people guys people respect like that, that's who their number one is for what for whatever that worth is. You know yeah, and
1: it's chances. worth to me, I mean it it's sad like I I know we're not supposed to get sad about right. such weird things that you have, should have so so little bearing on the life of your you and your family, but I get sad when people who don't really that there becomes a public kind of belief that they know something goes oh this guy sucks or oh that's that 's not that 's why history is important. you really want to see where the truth is, and the truth is i don 't care who you are i don 't anybody who knows anything will tell you BJ Penn of that era is the greatest fighter in the world if you don 't study fighting and mm-hmm. most people don 't because they have a life and they study the thing they study. I was talking to my parents today and Erica we were talking about somebody who specialized in been working therapy of your voice box yeah that's a lifetime of dedication to that thing to a point that it becomes an art he's no longer a physio he's an artist whatever everyone has something like that and if they don't they should mm-hmm. ours is fighting yeah. um, and that's why people don't need to spend their whole life studying the voice box or fighting or wine or anything because they there are great people in the world doing it for you so but any of those people? Um, they will tell you, BJ Penn of that era was the greatest fighter in the world.
0: Absolutely, I mean that's kind of why I'm pouring my heart into this uh, long form article I'm writing because it, it, history is beautiful and it was a young sport. But now we're getting to the point where we're, we're, we're having history. We're yeah. having different eras now, totally. and it's important to to keep those in, in the general perspective of this fast moving sport and. Uh, with 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 that fight in particular, that one hundred and seven, though, that was kind of a crazy because, like I said, it was a one sided, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a drubbing, if you yep. will, and I, I hate even using yeah. that word. But I mean, the crazy part was we've seen epic fights where two fighters just aren't the same. Carlos Condit yeah. and Robbie Lawler, yeah. right? Yeah, that fight ironically was one of those for both mm-hmm. guys. Even though one guy was unscathed, yeah. which was BJ Penn. Yeah. If you look at both guys' career, yeah. It, yeah. And, I mean, and I don't want to, you know, this is right yeah. in the middle, so we're not ending on a negative yeah. note, and yeah. I, especially on those two yep. guys who I respect, yeah, but fuck. both their careers yeah. took yeah. a rocky turn. Both guys, it was a really yeah. weird night, and that's what almost makes that night so special. It was the yeah. last of the great, it was one of the greatest we'll ever see in the sport. It was maybe yeah. one of the, probably one of the greatest things we have yeah. ever see from this guy in particular, yeah. but yeah. it was also the last yeah. of two guys in a way. Yeah, well, Diego weird.
1: became defined by his toughness. And you saw it that night, yeah, so that became the reflection of his identity, um, and it was real. This is as he is a great fighter, who is a great martial artist who has become as great as he can, and he will be, continue to improve i 'm sure he 'll get even smarter, but that the root of him, what made him different and special was his ability to be tougher and to handle fire more than everybody else. And so he got to celebrate that that night and it became an, a, 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 an aspect of him. Uh, Dan Hardy is uh, somebody we, if you listen to this, you know Dan is one of the brilliant minds. He's become one of the great minds of fighting. Uh, he and I have had three or four conversations outside of breakdowns and done three or four things together. And he doesn't like, he he doesn't celebrate, he doesn't want to celebrate that type of gameness. He sees that as something that should, out of your honor, I'm I'm paraphrasing, I'm definitely using words, these are not his words, I'm interpreting what I think he means, that you you need to honor yourself by not putting yourself in those situations. And I get that, I get that. Uh, I do, and uh, Dan is a fucking wonderful guy, and uh, and his perspective, of course, is brilliant. Uh, so, because somebody so smart gave me that perspective, I I look at it and I consider it, and I and I get it. Uh, but then, on the the other hand, what you say is whether or not he should be put himself, or you should find a way to not be in those cases. He is in those cases, and we get to see this incredible human spirit because he is in those. I understand that we don't want him to be injured or be have his life negatively affected because of it. So I get that. And I understand that's part of the perspective, especially a fighter of a high level like, like Dan or anybody else who sees that. Many of them are like, you shouldn't be doing that, bro. And they know it because they are worried about their own. Mm-hmm. You've had concussion issues. Yeah. I, I've had concussions. These guys are worried about them. Absolutely. But the truth is he is in those Moments, and by being in them, you see this incredible human spirit and what we can do, and what human beings can do. We can't all do what Diego Sanchez did, but we're all human, so we can all feel some connection to it. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty, pretty incredible one and for such a. As you, you're not. I'm, I'm with you. We're, we're the same. We don't yeah. ever want to say anything negative. Right. Uh, we really don't. These guys, we honor them. Um, but it is not untrue that that was an w- com- incredibly one-sided fight.
0: It, it was a poetic, p- perfect storm. I mean, that BJ Penn was poetic alone and how, how a, at the peak of his you know, perfection there, but that BJ Penn would have destroyed any fighter in the world in one round if not for that perfect storm of yeah. Diego Sanchez, yeah. who was already exactly. an indomitable, durable spirit, the immovable object, yep. who was at his perfect point, too. Exactly. And like you said, uh, yep. we're, not, we're, not, we're not trying to jump on one side, but the poetic, perfect storm. Yep. But uh, we're going to knock out these last two and get to your... Uh, fan questions and fan top five here. We're just gonna take a quick short break, and we're gonna end this baby on an up, an even more upbeat note because this is this is fun. So. Yeah, I'm gonna get a out All right, stay tuned, folks.
1: Cucarachas enojadas.
0: With your host here, Dan Tom, I'm here with my good buddy Robin Black, Woo-hoo. and uh, we are doing our top five BJ Penn moments. We're on our number two, so I'm just going to jump right into this. A uh, little rewind, just a little slightly before this yeah. era we were talking about. I want to revisit, um, I want to revisit UFC 84, Ill Will, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it, it, Essentially, I'm talking about the blood looking gloves. I, I, that, that may be on yours. I know that's yeah. on a lot of people's. But it was the moment before that. It was after he finished Sean Shirk with the knee and he's falling with punches. The round ends. We're not sure. Is, is, is Yamasaki, is he stopping it for the fight mm-hmm. or, you know, what's going on? And BJ essentially calls his own fight, not in a, uh, what is this guy doing calling his own fight? But in a badass yeah. way, he calls his own fight yeah. and puts one hand on his hip, extends the other hand out, looking at his, you know, Sean yeah. Shirk's looking up, looking confused. The referee, I believe it's Yamasaki, he's looking at Shirk to Pen, Shirk to Pen, yeah. what's going on? And he, and after BJ Penn holds his hand up, he does the... I'm trying to articulate it because we're yeah. on a podcast, but then no more. Like, you're, yeah. you're, you're safer, you're out. You know, that umpire thing. I, I yeah. can't, I'm terrible done. at baseball. You're yeah. done, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then the fight's over, and then he does the, the blood-licking thing, but yeah. then makes fast friends with Sean Shirk and respectful, but mm-hmm. that to me was just an iconic. That was the, the kind of... Um, animalistic uh part of bj that we all kind of appreciated we all kind of forgave uh which you know him doing stuff that maybe Mm -hmm. other fighters did in other fashions we might not have forgave so much
1: true i'm trying to think i I, there was there was a a thing or two you know god there's so many like there's so many things we could use and want to talk about but you know so i'm gonna make my number two connect to that how we'll kind of forgive him somehow for some reason we on some level we connect to who this guy is and we get that rules apply differently to him because he's special. Maybe that's it. Exceptions are for the exceptional. Cal Uno, of course, that you know, the first fight, the madness that finishes that and goes storming off. Um, but I'm going to use the example of what was I just thinking? And and don't worry, my brain does this a lot. Oh, it's all good. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, Jens Pulver. Jens oh, yeah. Pulver number two. Yeah. So those two fights, again, I'm feeling, for whatever reason, appreciative of the opponents today and how important that they are. And that these really are moments in time when you have greatness. Now, when you see two fighters fighting, and they're at some point along their evolutionary scale um, stage of evolution, they bump into each other. Often what you see is tests of, of ideas, You do this, and I do that, and this is where that's at. But once they're kind of self-actualized and they're fully developed fighters, you're seeing ideologies clash. You believe in this, and I believe in that, and we are fully where we're going, and and they clash. And so when he and Jens Pulver were brought together for those two fights, Jens Pulver is this brilliant little striker. But when BJ started to fully nominate him in their second fight, he was showboating and he's, done, and he's sort of not finishing him when he can and stuff, that we would feel so much disrespect if we just, well, I'm just going to draw somebody at random, if Daniel Cormier did that. People would just not have that. Mm-hmm. But for some reason with BJ, we're like, oh, well, BJ's way better than, than Pulver, and Pulver did piss him off. On some level, <laughs> we were looking for excuses as to why it was okay for BJ Penn to treat Jens Pulver this great. One of my very favorites ever. One of right. my true, the, one of the reasons I wanted to fight, when, and one, I wanted to be like Jens Pulver, I wanted to be like Uriah Faber, I wanted to be like Mark Holmanek, these types of guys, all different guys, but with this, this thing, something that brought them together as the small weight class greats. But uh, for some reason, I was still – Jens Palver was my guy and I was still OK with BJ disrespecting him And as he dominated him and took longer to beat him up and get the uh, finish than he needed to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost – it's funny because, again, he wasn't a guy that was doing these things for money. When he was promoting things, there was a genuine to us whether it was these raw things yeah. where you could have you know varied opinions on yeah. or the things we definitely all endear and love him for. And just like, kind of like, a, you know, maybe not so much post UFC 205 Connor, but what I really love, and I would try to point yeah. out to people about Connor with the trash talk with the Jose or mm-hmm. Pirate Mendez, like, this guy is really legitimate after. And that's the Connor that I like from coming up in Cage Warriors, the mm-hmm. martial artist yeah. aspect of him. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, fighting first, but yeah. as far as his attitude, the martial arts fighting, how that transferred mm-hmm. to his attitude, that's my favorite aspect of that attitude. And you would see glimpses of that, just like BJ after Gomi, where Gomi and, and just like Pulver both were mm-hmm. quoted. I, not only do we forgive the guy, I want to train with the guy. I, yeah, sensei, I'll sensei. i calling him respectful. Right. And there was that's this right. weird camaraderie that even the guys got worse with like Sean Shirk. Um, you know, he'd be doing. I think there was like specials where he did like some road media with them, and their buddies palling around. Yeah. Like a month after yeah. Matt Hughes and him riding around on the motorcycle, how about that yeah. classic yeah. picture where he, yeah, you, yeah, know, VJ's exactly. on the back of the motorcycle, yeah, his little brother, and you could yeah. see that it was genuine. Oh, this yeah. guy's a softy inside. He's a yeah. really genuine dude. Yeah. He's doing what he needs to, whether it's for the show, whether it's for himself yeah. to get him hyped yeah, right. up. And, and it I was think forgiving, yeah. I think that's what we might have incorporated. Maybe that's why uh, yeah. we forgot, forgave him. Yeah, I maybe. Mean, that's just my opinion, of course. Uh, but. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. Uh, can I give you my number one? Yeah, yeah.
0: Let's go, go. So, you go first, please. Yes, So,
1: what her. the fuck is BJ Penn doing fighting Lyoto Machida at heavyweight?
0: Jesus. Like, yes, I'm glad for, you brought this up. Like, yes. Or like fucking. Oh.
1: You know, it essentially was was heavyweight. I think Machida weighed two ten or something for that fight. You know, what what are we doing here? And it, he he gave him a great fight. Yeah, you know, he gave him a great fight. It was slower, which you're gonna be when you're bigger. I don't remember what BJ weighed.
0: It, it was one eighty nine, I yeah, think, for that right one, or one ninety one. Yeah, something. And then two twenty one, I saw for Leoto on yeah, that. Yeah, but
1: yeah, yeah, so yeah. What are we doing here? <laughs> and uh, you know, you talk about guys multiple again, Conor McGregor, multiple weight classes. BJ Penn fought a heavyweight. Like so, when we're t- discussing whether or not McGregor can fight at welterweight or whatever, uh, this guy, this. Featherweight, which is what he really is, fought at heavyweight against the Machida in an awesome fight. It was a competitive yeah. decision. Yeah.
0: yeah. up yeah. until up until he got dethroned, or yeah. up until the not dethroned, up until the first fight, I should say, with Shogun yeah. at UFC 104, yeah. uh the not only was undefeated, yeah. but BJ, I I made yeah. the argument, did the best, did against, the best against him. Yeah. <laughs> he was lightweight. And,
1: and even just from a from a history of technique standpoint, <laughs> it was that fight was a physical debate about what range we want to fight in. Yeah. Um, and that's a big part of every single fight today, and um, which is why I'm, you know, have I'm having a hard time analysis-wise of figuring out how to properly explain some of these things now that it's in every fight. So you can right. no longer ever go, this fight's going to be about range management. Well, moments of every fight are now about range management. So you can no longer say this fight is about, you know, who's got a better distance control. Every fight. ...through moments of every fight is a battle of distance control. So all of these very, you know, these layered concepts that are now in every fight, when you look back, which another reason history is so great, you can see the much broader strokes... If a fight is about, you know, who can control the distance they want to fight at, it's, that's what the fight's about. Yeah. If the fight is about who can keep it standing or who can... T- well, it's very broad. It's, it's very it's very obvious. You know, if this fight is about who's, you know, punches harder, these fights back then were def- were much more defined by one or two things. Mm-hmm. So great fights like that, when you look back at them, you get... And I, I get to commentate vintage pancreas and some other old fights, but Graham oh, Dean yeah. and I commentate. So we've probably done at least 150 fight cards of old fights, from 1997 to 2007, and a lot more in the late 90s and early 2000s. If you have Fight Network in Canada or anywhere in our territories, we have like 20 other countries, we're in, you can see those, and it forces us to contextualize, why is this happening? Well in this era people believed this, so mm-hmm. it's, the history makes you learn so much. And a fight like this one is like that. But also, what the fuck was he doing everywhere? That's It goes back to your yeah. food, your number your number four. <laughs> you know, he, he's like, fighting is not about cutting weight. Fighting is about fighting. And uh, fighting is about fighting.
0: And, and, yeah, and just to close out on that, two quick things. One, just the technique. He, he really meant by that. I remember uh, my, my coach, uh, my, one of my old coaches, Neil Melanson, a uh, catch wrestling guy now mm. with the Black Zillions. And he's a real, you know, he, he's a big reason why uh, I know a lot of the things... That I do and I'm able to explain these things through my writing is because of his teachings, and yeah. he's a real emphasis on hand fighting. Yeah. You know, anything from wrestling, especially catch wrestling, mm-hmm. you know that. And I remember Judo,
1: Jiu Jitsu, yeah. every, you got a hand fight in, in most, in boxing, A hand fight. Absolutely. I mean, in everything,
0: you am actually That's actually a, 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 another article I wanted dive into is just like art, you know, different different examples of arts of hand fighting and how they translate, but uh, you saw bJ use that to get up and mm-hmm. as far as wrist control get ups, people don't realize that you know not only not you know if you just isolate one wrist not only can people can't choke you with one hand yeah. uh, I mean there are obviously yeah. some chokes and this yeah. and that, but for the most yeah. part you're safe yeah. but you also disrupt passes and advances just by for taking sure. one one grip they can yeah. be on top of you they can be in a dominant position, yep. but you you disrupt that grip you're right up
1: even even the idea of get ups that wasn't very standard oh, we're on the no. ground now, okay, I'll submit you. Yeah. Like that's how people thought. Then they thought, okay, we're on the ground. I guess I'll, I'll be looking to submit you. I, not now. It's we're going, or maybe I could sweep you. But that became hard very quickly with f- guys like Matt Hughes, who yeah. of course BJ that slipped right hand uh, uh, on Matt Hughes. I mean, there's so many. I, like, we, there's ten right.
0: other things that we could have discussed for for BJ Penn top five. Well, so we're not here all day. Let me end on this number yeah. one because it's in a similar spirit to your number one, except. Leo, I guess more the extreme angle. Yeah. This one's more the classical angle. Yeah. UFC 46. Um, this was great. I mean, there's two moments. One, the when they had the Eddie Bravo on the side, the cue yeah. it up like it was boxing, you know. You're right. And he was Eddie, Eddie Bravo was being I mean, totally respectful to BJ, but it was like, oh, it's so beautiful. He's gonna give the old slugger's chance, you know. Yeah. It was almost Amazing. like it was. And, and then yeah. Joe, even Joe Rogan, they're all fans are being respectful, but. No one's, you know, taking it serious. It's, you know, the, the, Matt Hughes is about to make his sixth title yep, defense, set exactly. a record. He is considered the pound for pound mm-hmm. strongest and best fighter. They were yep. they were just making up accolades for Hughes mm-hmm. at the time. And you hear Rogan. And this little Hawaiian, he's oh, yeah. got
1: nice jujitsu, but wrestling yep. beats jujitsu these days.
0: Eating yeah. McDonald's, yep. uh, leading up to the fight, training only yep. only a half hour a day. And, and as the fight starts, you hear Rogan say courageous or foolhardy. We're about to find out right now. And that resonates. And that's the spirit of martial arts. Mm -hmm. That moment. And he's coming Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. to the post-fight where he's, you know, again, the emotion, showing the crying. This is what kind of makes it endearing. Like, oh, who's this cocky kid that thinks he can challenge Hughes? And lick his glove. And then you're just like, oh, he's the biggest. He's a a soft. He doesn't even feel like he deserves it. Hughes is his idol. um, You know? And it was just so endearing. And then he goes and calls out Tim Sylvie in the post-fight press conference. It was was all BJ Penn.
1: You know, I'm I'm really glad (laughs) we chatted about that because... Often, we, you could we could have ended up talking about anything, but we ended up exploring really cool things about why we liked him too, which is not something I think we set out purposefully to do. But it, that's a really cool thing. I'm glad that that we got to to mention some of those things because you do. For, if you were a BJ fan, if you're newer now, you don't know him necessarily. You can become one, but if you were one, we did wonder what it was. Why, you know, obviously the guy was great. Why did why did we worship B.J. Penn to, and why did many people? We don't know. We've we've come up with a few answers, yeah, but yeah. we don't really know.
0: Well, that's what I like about these top fives. It gives us a chance to kind of get at these angles where you know m- maybe more so with my work, I guess, with the work that I do and and many an- and many analysts do. We get we kind of stuck in these walls of what this person does well, what they mm-hmm. don't do well don't be too nice but don't be yeah. too negative right yeah. and and, and li- we don't get the chance to really just talk about the whole you know the whole the whole, whole platter uh, you know unload yeah. it unpack yeah. everything yeah. in deep mm-hmm. and that's why I was like what what better person I'm gonna hang out yeah. with Robin anyways let's do it man let, let, yeah, it's let's, 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 balance, let's bring balance to the force out there and recognize it great yeah. and, and just give credit where credit's due for
1: sure. okay. yeah yeah super cool I hope BJ hears this uh, I've been uh, going on my show at different times, when saying you got to come to Toronto. I'm going to take you out for tacos, uh, and that was an ongoing gag that we had on the network when we were like, "BJ Penn should fight at UFC 20, What was Toronto? 206."
0: Yes. So we yeah, kept going, "Come to
1: Toronto, man. We, I know some good tacos." But he's guys like this. You hope um, n- uh, know how much people appreciate them because as they get older, sometimes you know there are a lot more people interested in Mickey Gall than BJ Penn on the surface. Which, you know, hey, that young guy's might turn out to be a pretty good martial artist. But this is BJ Penner talking
0: about. But, uh, yeah, super cool.
1: I'm. Uh, there's one other thought I had, but I'm uh, knee-deep in my third Nevada, so. <laughs> well, I, I while, well,
0: while you think of this thought, maybe the fans might kind of jolt your memory okay. here. We're just going to go real quick. Uh, okay. Again, um, these things will be p- p- picking up more, which means we want your participation to pick up more. Use the hashtag... the uh, Hashtag the Protect Your Neck podcast. Wow, I haven't even finished my beer, and yeah. I'm already stammering toward the end of this thing. End you of the show. Hoppy one. I do. I like me. I like me some IPAs. So yeah. I, 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 uh, this, is, this is the last one for a while though. Doing the FC weight challenge. So stay tuned for that. I'll keep you all posted. This is my last uh, my last cheat day here. But uh, use the hashtag the Protect Your Neck podcast. You know, submit your top five or questions. We had a couple here we'll touch on before we go. Um, just for the top five. Oh, hey, my man Daniel Levy uh, at Best Fight Picks. Half the battle. The fans, you want to see GSP? Do you want to see BJ Penn versus GSP? Oh, that's the post fight after the Sean Shirk. Yeah, he he definitely cut some promos. Awesome.
1: Uh, Awesome. Levy's a good dude. Um, And I'd like to see it again. Uh, But I don't know that George is going to fight. I spent hours hanging out with George at a thing that Hayabusa put together, an amateur fight card. And he says he wants to fight. And he's in shape, man. When I hug that guy, you're like, shit, this guy is in (laughs) shape. Because we had seen him... I don't know, six months earlier, and he was g- kind of getting back in the gym. It was so nice to see him with a belly. I mean that honestly. Yeah. To see a guy nice. whose life has had to be so regimented, yeah. and see that he's gained, you know, a couple of pounds. And I, when I say belly, I mean still a muscular guy with a tiny belly. It's hard but to imagine I, with him with a belly. Yeah, <laughs> but it was still nice to see. You know, and you talk, he goes out a little bit, and he had a, he he seemed really calm and relaxed. Part of me was thinking, dude, why do you want to fight?
0: <laughs> you yep, know you've yep. done
1: it all yep. but that love of of competition i still think about it it still crosses my mind that idea you know uh and i was terrible this guy was was one of the greats ever at something and you know it's it's what he wants to do but i don't know if yeah you know. yeah I no, absolutely i
0: think daniel that was just yeah. quoting uh yeah. quoting bj penn there to, to to chime in but no that's good that, yeah. that i'm glad you weighed in yeah. on that and Sean shirk you're dead a lot of people were <laughs> liking the quotes here uh, we almost forget that those pro wrestling moments. Yeah. Right? Remember that when Chancher yeah. comes into the cage, I almost with yeah. Jim Ross. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> it's weird,
1: right? It's like I don't know if he was. I think there was an authenticity to him doing those. I think, like you said earlier, maybe it was for him. Yeah. I think it was for him. Yeah. I don't think he was like Chael is a genius uh, at at getting people engaged. Yeah. Um, BJ was somewhat too but I don't think he was motivated by I'm Chayla wants to entertain you he wants to make you laugh he wants to make you cry he wants to make you angry I think BJ was just doing what he needed to do for him
0: yeah and then I don't want to I don't want to um, give away the end line to my article coming up but essentially he was the first to do a lot of things and mm-hmm. the fact that he didn't do it for the money just kind of yeah. puts that icing on the cake yep. and blows your head off yeah Whoa, for sure wow yeah. um, and uh ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah, a lot of lot, lot lot of quotes there. Hey, listen, we're gonna we're actually just gonna uh, wrap this one, wrap this one up here. But definitely join us in for the next one. Use that hashtag to join in. But this was this was really fun, Robin. Yeah, I nice. really uh, we'll we'll, we'll we'll do these more next time you're in town. But um, yep. shoot, until then, I mean, I'll definitely be listening to your podcast. But hey, you want to fair. tell the people where they can find you and your your projects you got going?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, watch for my podcast for sure. Hashtag Ask Robin Black. And it's really fun. If you throw that that hashtag in, you can ask me anything on Twitter, and I'll try to use it. It's really been a really fun thing. It, uh, the Fight Network YouTube channel and on iTunes, you can find it. Um, but uh, and and watch for my breakdowns. That's what I love to do. But it's been really fun hanging with you, man. And shout out to my wife Erica, who uh, sat here and waited while we were hanging out. We're on vacation. And she's like, yeah, 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 hang out and chat with your friends.
0: So she's cool. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm very lucky. Uh, met met her before. Really, really cool. Yeah. Gra- really cool yeah. gal. So yeah,
1: I killed I killed that. Um, so that that, get, <laughs> Wait, what? that that I killed that uh, finding a great mate part. Everybody should be so lucky. I would want that. I really would want that for everybody. Um, but make sure you link me everywhere to your BJ Penn article too after this comes out because I want to share.
0: Oh, thanks, man. That really means a lot. Um, just always the support. For people that don't know, uh, what you hear is what you get. Whether what you're hearing on the show, on Robin's podcast, what you hear on the Fight Network, um, this is the guy here. I mean, it, it, it's genuine, and, and and just like we were talking about, DJ uh, Penn, we need to stop and, and just appreciate. Um, you know, it sounds it sounds hokey, but appreciate things for what they are. You know, really, and, I mean, it, it really doesn't get any any, any any truer than that. And uh, those going out there being genuine, those brave enough to put it on the line, whether it's through analysts or whether it's through fighting. You need to appreciate that. I know I do. And this is it's great to be able to reflect on that.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you. It's good.
0: Well until then, you know where to follow me. Follow me at the MM analyst. Follow the show at the PYN Podcast. Use the hashtag the your Neck Podcast to participate. And until uh, till next time, protect your neck.